Good morning, everybody. So glad you're at church with us today. Uh, it's been a while. I've been away for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I've gotten to take part in uh, Every Nation Seminary and the intensive, the first two-week intensive was in Dubai. I think Pastor Greg already mentioned this earlier in the service. But yeah, I've gotten to, to start my uh, master's degree at Every Nation Seminary, which is a huge privilege. I am so blown away uh, by the way they've put this school together, uh, this global cohort of 35 students from around the world. It's absolutely amazing. The level of experience, the diversity, and yet the similarity of mission and commonality between us all, that DNA is still all together. So I feel so privileged. Um, it's kind of, this, this school is, is meeting me at a great time. People say that you should start your master's when you feel like you're out of your depth. <laughs> and uh, I certainly do feel that way. And, you know, I'm just learning things. I'm going, oh, that's going to be useful tomorrow. And, oh, I wish I would have known that yesterday. And so uh, it's kind of fun to be able to have school and seminary come at a really opportune time. I feel personally enriched. And I hope that it ends up blessing you all uh, as well, as, as much as it's, as it's blessed me. So that's a huge privilege. Uh, but so I'm coming to you live now from quarantine here in a bedroom. Uh, it's just the way that it is. Pro tip, guys, don't travel during a pandemic, especially internationally. There are some hoops to jump through, uh, which, of course, are all ending, you know, soon, right after, we, right after we get back and have to do them all. We're probably the last people that have to, you know, go through all these hoops. But anyways, that's okay. It was worth it to go. Uh, what, uh, what I want to do quickly before we jump into the message today is, by way of announcement, um... Uh, you guys have probably heard that uh, religious gatherings serve the, the restrictions on religious gatherings have, have have been lifted in the province, which means uh, many of our friends are probably getting together at uh, at different churches all around the Lower Mainland. And I would invite you just to celebrate, uh, celebrate um, with with your brothers and sisters who go to churches who have church buildings. <laughs> what an amazing gift that is! And uh, I would invite you to celebrate right along with them. I'm so glad that God's people are being able to get together again in the spaces that he's provided for his people to gather. Uh, we aren't one of those churches. We don't have a church building. We've been nomadic for a long time. And, uh, and it's a little bit trickier to try to get back into a school. Um, for those of you that have joined our church in the last year and a half, we used to meet at uh, Langara College. And uh, we have every reason to believe that once the school gets, you know, swinging again in September, that we would be right in there just in the same way that we were before. And so that's something you can continue to pray for. Um, there might be more, you know, th things to consider now in this post-pandemic world, but all signs point to be able to meet there again. But that's not till September, you know, and uh, I mean, it might open up earlier where we're kind of, you know, tugging on, the, t tugging on their shirts, being like, can we come back sooner? So we're trying, but in all likelihood, it'll be September. And so in this next season, we're going to continue with what I feel our church um, really does excel at. And that is uh, we're going to continue to meet together as communities. And that could look like a lot of different stuff. And there's some good things about it and there's some risks associated with it. The good things is that um, now that these restrictions are lifting, we can begin to meet together in homes again over the summer and in backyards. And I'm really praying that the beginnings of us getting back together as a community will start in those really essential community-based relationships, uh, the ones that are so valuable, those you know 20 or so people that you're walking through life with. But this kind of leads me to what's, what's uh, I don't know about dangerous, but what's lacking in that plan is that uh, it's difficult to get plugged in when there isn't that really easy front door. You can walk through the back and you can sit in the seat and someone's going to come talk to you and there's a bunch of people that you can go meet. And, you know, Sunday services are conducive, are a conducive front door into our larger community and that doesn't exist right now. And so I would encourage you, over the summer, 
if you find yourself not connected to a community, uh, we have ways of, of that still uh, happening uh, in this time. And I would encourage you to make use of the, of the systems that we have to get you integrated with communities. One of the main systems is called Pastor Matt. <laughs> we are still, our, the size of our church is still such that we can personally help you uh, get connected to community. And hopefully that will look like more and more uh, gatherings that look more and more like church over the summer. And we as the pastors are going to continue to build into our community leaders and D-group leaders to create more and more spaces for us to gather in person. And so I invite you to hang on until September where we can all be together again in a service format. But more than just hang on, um, this is a special time. And uh, this is a special opportunity that we have to join at a heart level in a smaller way. And my prayer is that it'll, it'll be um, just as much of a blessing, a different kind of blessing than if we were all together in the same lecture theater. So don't miss this time. Uh, don't count yourself out of community. And, um, and, and if you are part of one and maybe you've gotten used to this whole pajamas and church thing, um, could you make uh, a decision to participate with your friends at church? Could you make that an act of worship? We really were meant to do this in community. And I know that the internet has made it seem like it's not so essential, and sometimes it's hard to notice exactly what's missing. Um, but when you invest with your heart and you, and, you, and you show up not just for your own sake, but for the sake of those um, that you call your brothers and sisters, it just does something. In it. And it, it, it's, it's what it means to be the church. So uh, I encourage you to press into that with faith. It's, it's what makes our family our family, is our intentionality to be in community with one another. So... There you go. That's about services. Um, we do have something going on today where we all get to be together. We're all going to be at the park from 3 to 6. And by we, I mean not me because it's quarantine from being away. It's so frustrating. But um, pastors Matt and Tim and, and, and Tara as well, they've all organized an amazing time uh, to be uh, together, to celebrate with one another. And I'm going to stop talking about it because I'm going to be more jealous than I need to be. But I really encourage you to be there. It's one of those opportunities that we have uh, to make the investment and to uh, be there for your own sake and for the sake of others. Um, people miss you. <laughs> and I'm one of them. And I wish I could be there. So anyways, today at 3 I really do encourage you to, to, to go out to the park. Okay, so we are um, continuing in our series that Pastor Tim started us off last week uh, called Together. And we're looking at 1 Corinthians 12. And what this passage is about, it's about spiritual gifts. And, uh, and it's how those spiritual gifts function inside what's called the body of Christ. Um, excuse me. Um, uh, God refers to the church often in one of the metaphors that's used as a body where every part is different and it all has its own function, but somehow it's this cohesive thing. And last week and this week, we're going to be looking at some of the principles behind that. The next week, Pastor Greg is going to talk a little bit more about how the unity and diversity and the togetherness aspects, he's really going to hash that out. But I have one more week to just talk about the why of spiritual gifts. Uh, last, uh, last week, Pastor Tim did an amazing job explaining how the source of all this power really is God. And he's the one that unites us. It's his spirit that's working in everybody. It's just an amazing, amazing message. Um, I get to talk today about what the purposes of these gifts are. What's the point of, of, of spiritual gifts? Well, why does God bother with this whole, you know, giving us power thing? What are they for? And just to begin, I, I wanted to share with you a, a, a growing concern that I have with regards to the spiritual gifts conversation. And it's, uh, and it's this. Um, uh, I have a concern that what 
even my heart longs for as a, as, as a Christian is becoming smaller and smaller and smaller and more and more realistic uh, to the point where the Spirit's power and spiritual gifts are an optional, an optional thing. Where the longings in my heart, the level of faith that I have, the things that I'm hoping to see happen in this world, the things I'm hoping to see our church accomplish, um, uh, things I want to see God do, things I want to see change. There's a temptation in my heart, and I see it uh, even in, our, in, our, in, the, in the corporate church, that our hopes and our dreams, the things that we expect God to do, have become diminished to such an extent that spiritual gifts and miraculous signs and wonders, Holy Spirit power, oh my goodness, I didn't know how that happened. It's, it's, um, those things aren't essential to the plan. They're almost like a bonus where you know we have certain retreats every year where we have our spiritual times and that's where we prophesy over people and, and we see some healings there sometimes and people speak in tongues sometimes there and God gives different people gifts and, and it's a beautiful moment. But spiritual, um, the things that are hard to explain, the supernatural element of our faith seems to be kind of cordoned off as a bonus thing, as an optional thing. And, uh, and my observation is that gifts just kind of seem, seem barely necessary for the everyday life of a Christian. The spiritual gifts that are un, uh, unexplainable uh, by, you know, our logic or, or unexplainable by our own ability, they don't seem to be a big part of the everyday Christian walk. And this is interesting because as we're talking today about uh, the relevance of spiritual gifts, you know, what, how, are they, how are they relevant? I would argue that, that they're extremely relevant because love in and of itself to me feels like a work of the Spirit. Like love for another's sake, true, the truest self-sacrificial love feels like a work of the Spirit to me. And I, something I've been noticing these days is that uh, we settle for versions of Christian truths. We settle for versions of the gospel that are understandable, but they are devoid of a certain kind of power that that really make <laughs> that make the Christian life um, uh, that, that kind of infuse it with the fuel that, that makes it what it is. Uh, an, an example is that you know love for love's sake uh, instead of love that's transactional. I, I feel as though. You know, we walk around life a lot going, oh, I, I have this version of love, but do, but do I have a spirit-empowered kind of love? Like, do I have the love for another that Jesus had for us? <laughs> the kind that lays its life down. The kind that has no self-interest. The kind that is 100% self-forgetful. That's a miracle. To have the kind of love that forgets yourself, that's a... You know, we, we love people and I, I love people. And then there's the kind of love where like, ooh, that cost me. And something just changed. Like the love that happened right there, that was a work of the Spirit. That wasn't me. That was God did a work in my heart and it was a miracle. An example of this that I think of is like if I, you know, make my wife a meal and, uh, and she says, wow, thank you. This is delicious. I can really tell that she put some effort into this and the steak is cooked perfectly and blah, blah, blah. And she's appreciating the meal I've cooked for her. And, you know, and then from across the table, I'm stuffing my face with the same meal. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, appreciative of the gratitude for me cooking the meal. But there's like this piece of my heart going, I'm kind of enjoying this too. Like I, I did make two steaks. 
like it was for you, but it was, it was kind of for me. And uh, this, I feel like this happens a lot in life where we love people and we, you know, do, we, we have this version, this mode of being nice and loving. And then there's this deeper level of, of being empowered by the spirit with his gifts that like changes stuff. And it's the kind of love that isn't necessarily mutual beneficial. And I love you and then I'll get something later and then you'll like me. And it's hard to be self-forgetful in love. So that's just one example that I've been thinking of, of like, man, do we have, do, do we have a, a vision of love and of community and of, oof, so we have a vision of these things that is that requires the Holy Spirit's power. One, one of my favorite quotes is, is Francis Chan, and he says, I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I love that quote. And so, guys, how do we, do we live in such a way where spiritual gifts are, are the only explanation for the means by which we live and how we conduct our relationships? It's an interesting question. So what we're going to do today is we're going to keep reading from, you know, pick up where Tim left off last week, keep reading, and look at the relevance of spiritual gifts. Look at the relevance of the Holy Spirit empowering us to love and, the, and how necessary that is to really be a Christian that advances the kingdom of God. So join me. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, Tim read up to verse 6 last time, so we're going to start in verse 7. Uh, you can turn with me in your Bibles if you like. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 it says this, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Remember that, for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, message, uh, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous gifts. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are at work. Um, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So, uh, you'll notice here that uh, in verse 7, which I really want to drill down on today, as it says, now, each, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So what is, what is the common good? Now when I first, uh, you know, when you read the word common good, it feels a little, you know, weak. It doesn't feel like a very powerful statement. Like, oh, for the common good. It kind of conjures this image of a cheesy politician or a, you know, Miss America <laughs> speech of like, I want to be part of helping us achieve a common good. It doesn't, that, that term didn't mean anything necessarily to me you know, in first reading. Uh, and it's kind of like, do we really need the, do we really need a manifestation of the spirit through God's people to achieve the common good? <laughs> I don't know. It just felt kind of weak. I'm like a manifestation of the spirit feels like a really strong and powerful thing. And all it's achieving is common good. Well, so what does the common good mean? Just a quick definition for you. It's uh, it's something that's for the benefit and the interest of all. Okay. So, the common good is for the benefit and interest of all. Again, maybe that seems soft and not that impressive. But if you think about that, that the spirit is, is, is being made manifest, which is just a displayed. The spirit is being displayed, manifest has some other connotations, but it just kind of means display. If, if, the, if the spirit needs to be displayed through God's people, 
to achieve the benefit and interest of all, now that begins to make sense because I don't know about you, but when I look around, there's not a lot in this world that's achieving the benefit and the interest of all. The level of injustice, uh, the, the pain that is so palpable in even our country these days. Um, there's not a lot of benefit and interest on behalf of all happening. And it seems as though when somebody wins, somebody else has to lose. And then the solution is to have the people who lost try to win, which then costs the other people. And there's just this never-ending power struggle between two things and the, the genuine benefit of all, the common good, is actually extremely elusive, I find. At least defined that way. So, God's kingdom is the common good. God's kingdom is built entirely on love, and it actually works. It's not the kind of love I'm describing where it's kind of you win a little bit and I win a little bit and we'll see how well we can pull this off until one of us hurts each other too much and then, you know, we'll part ways. Like it's, it's, not, it's not that kind of, uh, I don't know, climbing the ladder kind of love. It's the full giving of oneself. It's the laying down of one's life. It's, uh, and Jesus inaugurated this kingdom. He, he, he inaugurated it by by being 100% faithful to God, even to the point of death. Like he served us and loved us, even to the point of death. It cost him everything. And it, and, it, and it started this kingdom where we are now to model our lives in that same example of going, I actually have nothing left to earn or gain. Jesus has paid for all of that. It frees me to love actually for the sake of the other. Now, this is a work of the Spirit. And if, we, if we're loving for the other's benefit and, and we are like fully in the way that Jesus did for us, that is a work of the Spirit. And if we were all to do that, and if the church was to live in that way, the common good would begin to happen slowly through God's people manifesting the Spirit's power. Pretty neat, right? So uh, what's, uh, what's really neat is this, the Spirit is, is enabling us to live like Christ. It's, it's one of the ways to even view gifts. It's, it's a manifestation of the spirit in us, um, it's not like a, you know, it's not like you know. I, I think of Spider-Man, you know, the movies, and and you know how every superhero movies, the origin story movie always has the scene where, you know, they discover their powers. <laughs> it's you know, they wake up and all of a sudden they have a six-pack and webs can shoot out of their hands. That, that's not really how. <laughs> that's not really how the spirit's power works. It's a working in us and through us. It's it's Jesus transforms us. He doesn't skip skip us. It's over time. It's still miraculous in His power, but it's not as though all of a sudden it's just like, oh wow, look, we're magically different. It's uh, it's God entrusts us with displaying and working out the same kind of love that He showed us. He entrusts us with that, and then and it turns into all these unique, different things as. You know, God's transforming self-sacrificial love of us takes root in our hearts. It goes, we're all different. We're all unique. And it looks like a whole bunch of different stuff in the world now. It's amazing the way that it works. And God calls these things gifts. I've given you this gift. I've given you this gift. And when, when you fully trust me, when, I'm, when, when, when you let my spirit dwell in you and change you, it's going to look like this super unique, special, important gift that I've given you. It's pretty amazing. So... That sounds great, right? Like, wouldn't we all want that? Don't we all just want God to 
transform our spirits, dwell in us and have that flow out to others in some unique way where we're fully secure by our relationship with God and then fully significant by the way in which God works through us to build his kingdom. It's pretty profound. So, you know, I want that. Don't, don't you want that? Sounds pretty important and, um, and uh, safe. So where does it all go wrong? Well, this is what, where we kind of have to do a little bit of, of, um, of digging and, and background into what Paul is really trying to say to the church in Corinth and to Greek culture actually in general. Um, Greek culture kind of does this thing, at least in that day, and we are echoes of that, but in that day, it would have been a very normal way of thinking for a Greek mind, and you know, in the church in Corinth, it would have been the same, to see spirituality as something for their own amusement and personal benefit. Um, you know, there'd be a temple to a god, and then if you wanted the affect of that god, you would go make a sacrifice, or you would participate in that temple's activities, and some of those activities were horrendous, uh, and but you were, you were, uh, uh, what's the word? You were like trying to get that God to fulfill in you what you needed that God to do for you. <laughs> so uh, there's lots of examples, but if you were going on a trip, you'd make a sacrifice to the sea God to hope that your trip was safe. And so the, the, the idea here is that gods, small g, fulfill my needs for my own life. And so this is, this is what Paul's up against is the... Greek mind is going, okay, Jesus Christ is on the scene now. Fantastic. So what does he do for me? <laughs> how, does he, um, how does he fulfill my needs? And what was happening in the church in Corinth is that people were beginning to take the, the, the experiences that God would work through them. Like they, they, you know, they were real Christians that really loved Jesus and had experienced his power. Church, Paul would have planted these churches. This probably would have been amazing times of the Spirit displaying his power through those people in those times. But what was happening is it was beginning to take that lean towards these gifts are about me and my identity. I'm the person that has this gift. I'm the person that has that gift. I'm the person who, you know, is building my identity on what God does for me in this way. And it was causing division and it was causing fragments and people weren't using those gifts for the common good anymore. People weren't using those gifts to build the body of Christ. They were taking them and using them as a ways to be personally fulfilled. So, you know, you're like, oh, tisk tisk, you know, Corinthians. And I'm like, uh oh, I do the exact same thing. Or I take the, the principles of life and godliness and then they become devoid of power because I use them for my own selfish gain. And I make my wife a stake, but I also make me a stake. This is working out pretty well. <laughs> and it's not necessarily the kind of sacrificial love that the Bible's talking about that really changes this world. So um, you'll notice in the scripture that Paul goes to great lengths uh, to, 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 to say that it's the same spirit working in all these different gifts, all these different gifts, for the same common good. So what, what would have been logical to that Greek mind is going, all right, well, the Spirit's working through me and it's doing this particular thing. That must mean that I can use this like spiritual experience as my identity. And Paul's going, no, see how, see how the Spirit's working through that person and through that person and through that person? That's all the exact same Spirit and that's important because that Holy Spirit is only doing one thing. <laughs> so 
that looks different over here, looks different over there, it looks different over here. But remember, it's the same spirit because it has the same purpose. Um, you don't get to take that thing and build your identity on it. It is only an outflow of the same purpose that you know Jesus has inaugurated, which is to love. And it's to be ministers of reconciliation. Like, don't lose sight of the why behind these gifts. As Tim talked about last week, don't lose sight of where the power comes from. Paul's saying here, don't lose sight of the purpose. It's for the common good. So, uh, you know, we can't manipulate the Spirit to, to fulfill our own needs. But this is, I feel like we do this a lot, you and I, or at least I do. We love to create caricatures of ourselves, don't we? So let's get in the mind of these, these Corinthians here. We, we're, we're really similar. We love to use our relationships with other people and our experiences to cultivate a little, like a, 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 a mental self-image of who we are. And we spend a ton of time making sure that that thing makes sense to us. We spend a lot of time uh, uh, using these different experiences, even ones from God, and even gifts that he's given us, going, well, who, what does that say about me? <laughs> what, is, what does that say about who I am? And so here, here's the way that it plays out. This, here's an example. Um, maybe you are the really pastoral person, okay? And uh, what the Greek mind, what a person using what a person creating a caricature might do, what a person who's not using the spirit for the common good might do, is say, I'm the person who cares a lot. And remember, the pastoral is a gift. It's a Holy Spirit gift. But you might say, I'm the person who cares a lot. See, look at these people feel cared for by me. Now, what's interesting is the spirit was probably enabling you in many of those situations because that's a gift God's given you. So you're probably very caring and people feel very cared for. And then this little tweak happens where you go, oh, I'm the person who cares a lot. Don't worry, guys. I'm the caring person. And I feel like the Holy Spirit's just like, no, no, no. Don't be the person who cares a lot. Uh, don't build your identity on that. Just, just actually care for people. Like, stop, stop, try, don't try to build a caricature based on the gifts I've given you. Just keep caring a lot. Don't, don't get distracted. Because what happens in an instant is, uh, is, is we begin to build our own little kingdom so quickly. And now we're building this caricature and, and we get distracted and we start filtering. We start filtering whether we're going to love somebody or not, whether we're going to be pastoral or not, based on whether that continues to affirm my idea of who I think God's made me to be and my identity starts to be built on that. So for me, I'm like, if, I, if I'm a leader, uh, am I doing things to make sure that I seem like a leader and that I maintain my own mental self-image of myself as a leader? Or am I actually leading? <laughs> and those two things aren't necessarily the same thing. So the temptation is to think that uh, we're, we're all given... Um, the temptation is to think that we've been given these gifts for our own benefit to build our own little kingdoms and that the gods are here to fulfill me. But they don't actually work for that in the long term. The spirit is being manifested for the common good. So the translation for Paul going same spirit, same spirit, same spirit, you know what the translation is? It's not about you. <laughs> don't get lost in thinking that it's about you. Now, in weeks to come, we're going to explore how important you are 
and how the diversity is super necessary in God manifesting the fullness of who he is in this world. We're going we're to talk about that. But for all intents and purposes in this sermon, it's, it's really making sure that we're not using these gifts to be identified by anything else than, our, than what God's called us to do by our relationship to him and by our relationship to others. And don't stop and go, hmm, what does that say about me? It's the same spirit working for the common good. This is important to remember because two things happen when we're not thinking about the common good, okay? When we're using these gifts for our own selfish gain, and we're, when we're using the mandates God's, have given, God's given us to build our own identity, two things happen. Slowly, they happen slowly. Two things happen. God's gifts seem unimportant and unimpressive. They, they begin to not be all that impressive anymore, which makes sense because God actually wasn't intending on building your own kingdom. And so when we have that tweak happen, the, the, the power, in a sense, gets robbed. And we, we no longer see the need for God to really be part of the equation. And it's like, oh, if my goal is to seem like a loving person to those around me, if my goal is to maintain the caricature of who I think I am, I don't actually need God's help to do that. I can just work hard at that. And the humility that God's spirit brings us, the level of awareness, the level of like conviction and submission and trust that comes from letting ourselves be open to what God's really doing, be identified by him, stops becoming essential because we're mostly consumed with how this is going for us instead of what's going on in the common good. And I think the church is full of people, including you and me, that get sidetracked from truly loving others because we get self-absorbed. And all of a sudden love uh, for the other's sake becomes secondary to maintaining our sense of importance, our own identity, uh, our ability to understand what's going on. And so then God's gifts and his spirit-empowered versions of those gifts stop becoming important because we can kind of do this on our own. Uh, the other thing that happens when the common good isn't of the utmost priority is that we have less and less unity because, you know, again, if I care more about being a leader than actually leading, we've, we've got problems. And, and we, will, we will not, uh, we'll have less and less unity because we've all started to construct our own little kingdoms. And God's going, oh no, the manifestation of the Spirit was always meant for the common good. It was always meant for the benefit of all and when we lose sight of having the benefit of all, slowly but surely, the Spirit's power gets robbed from our activity, and we end up settling for versions of church, versions of relationships that aren't totally vulnerable, that aren't totally sacrificial, that aren't totally transparent, and not transforming. And this is alarming, because um, I want our church and our community and my life and your life to be unexplainable without the Holy Spirit. And the way in which we love each other, the way in which we treat one another is one of the biggest signs to the world that people go, you're not supposed to do that. Like you're not supposed to love each other that deeply. It's not, you're not, it's not supposed to be that sacrificial. And sometimes my observation is when I look at my own life and the lives of Christians in our culture, it's very explainable. Um, there's a lot of perks to living in Christendom. Churchianity. It has perks. 
you know, the people are nice. And, uh, and the morals are somewhat helpful. And, but it isn't, that isn't necessarily a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Uh, what I want to do is read 1 Corinthians 13, 1. And uh, it, this is kind of um, after all this spiritual gifts. It's just in the next chapter. But listen to this. It talks about love in relation to spiritual gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have, and, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So this is Paul right after explaining all these gifts going, Guys, do not lose sight of the common good. Do not lose sight of love, or else it's all going to get twisted. So my friends, the spirit, the, the, this world needs a church that's manifesting, that's displaying the spirit of God for love's sake. Uh, we are in, this world is in desperate need of Christians who don't just live like a Christian to make sure that their caricature of Christian stays intact. We need, we need Christians, and I'm preaching to myself here too, that live in an unexplainable, spirit-empowered way. That go, oh Lord, would you, would you work in my heart in such a way? Would, your, would, the, would, would the real gift be your presence in my life? that kind of renders flesh from spirit. And I need those two things to be pulled apart for a minute so that I can see what you're really doing. And would you empower me to live like you lived? And so this is, it's a nice thought. And then you go, well, how does that happen? Because it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's a not a complicated answer and it's called discipleship. Our church cares a lot about discipleship because everything I just said in the last 20 minutes or however long it was, uh, isn't it happens in the context of relationship and the grinding of the church being itself and why do you think it's described as a body which we're going to talk about in the weeks to come the, the idea that it's a body all trying to function together is so essential because uh if you begin to build a caricature of yourself instead of love me i will notice it will hurt me uh, i will be able to tell that you are not in it for my sake. I will. And so I have two options in that moment. I can have a courageous conversation with you and engage in a discipleship relationship. Or I can go, ah, well, you're kind of just doing the same thing I'm doing. I guess I'll just swallow that and we'll settle for whatever version of love that we have. <laughs> I don't want that. Our church is, is built on the idea that we're gonna be we're gonna have disciples who make disciples. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be the people of God who who have this life on life calling each other to the common good. Not helping each other maintain our Christian status. We are calling each other to love one another. And we're calling each other to love the world. And we're going to disciple one another towards this goal. We're going to disciple one another towards a fuller and fuller understanding of what it means to really follow Jesus. 
And that's what the Spirit really is enabling us to do, guys. The Spirit enables us to follow Jesus because our flesh can't love for love's sake. But our new hearts can. Our new hearts can. Our new hearts were designed to do this. And it's a powerful thing. So I have one, I have a very practical thing to, to give you today. Something that I, that I hope you do. It's oddly practical. I don't really like to give applications. I, I usually, when I speak, just kind of like to leave tensions out in the open so that people can discuss and arrive at whatever application <laughs> um, the Spirit leads you to. So by and large, I usually prefer that form of application. But I, 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 I thought I had something that might prove helpful, especially in this season where we're like, we don't, you know, we can't meet together and it's getting a little, I'm feeling anxious in my heart because there's, we're allowed to, but we can't for circumstantial reasons. And we're relying so heavily on communities and D groups continuing to faithfully disciple and faithfully love one another and engage in relationship and display the spirit for the common good in our relationships. It's, it's, it's a crucial time for us. And so I have a, a an ask or an encouragement, and it's to ask other people in your life, how can I contribute? How can I contribute? Uh, a good place to start would be your D group leader or your community leader or a pastor. If you ask the question, how can I contribute? It true, it's a powerful thing. A lot of, a couple of different things I think happen in our hearts when we ask that question. And I wrote a few down. There's probably a lot. First, uh, you're going to experience God personally when you ask that question. How can I contribute creates this humble posture of not being in it for yourself, but wondering what you can give. Now, of course, it's just a, being part of a church is just about, as much about receiving as it is about giving. It's weird. We the whole art of being a family and being in relationship is, is, to, is, to, is to figure out this cyclical giving and receiving of love. So giving and receiving aren't, one is not more important than the other. But the question of how can I contribute is a humble posture to take. And it initiates something with God. It initiates a posture of going, Lord, what would you, what would you have of me? <laughs> and of course, he, he's, I feel like God's just on his tippy toes waiting to fill humility with his presence and his fullness. So I would long for you to ask that question because I feel like it would be really beneficial for your relationship with God. Humility is just seems to always, God rushes into those moments to fill it with his presence. The second thing I think that asking that question to your leaders and friends does is you're going to find your place in the family. Uh, asking how can I contribute um, it places you in the stream that's moving somewhere. And uh, from the very beginning, when God called his disciples, they were immediately going somewhere. And they belonged because Jesus loved them. They also belonged because they kept their feet moving. <laughs> they just kept their feet moving with whatever God was doing next. And the people of God are trying to follow Jesus. Now we get really lost and we set up camp you know, way too early <laughs> and we make all kinds of mistakes and we sometimes we really don't do a great job of following him and we don't listen and he's off over there and we've camped over here and so granted the church is a broken place and 
we are craning our ears to hear where Jesus is going and sometimes it's too scary. So I get that. But by and large, by and large, the church is desperately trying to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And there's a forward motion to that. There's a movement towards all that isn't yet reconciled. There's a, there's a call. There's a, an important mission that we have to manifest the spirits for the common good that he's called you into. And so when you ask, how can I contribute? What that's really saying is, how can I join this stream? How can I join where it's going? And where do I, where do I fit? And how do I become shoulder to shoulder with other people trying? It's, it's a, it's a deeply um, loving and communal question to ask. It sounds cold, right? Like, what can I do? Like, yeah, well, there's probably something to do. But more than that, you're joining a bunch of other people that are asking the same question. That's pretty fun. It's pretty fun to be part of a community of people going, how can I contribute? I'm wondering how I contribute too. Which kind of leads to the third thing is when you ask that question, you're going to find gaps that only you can fill. You're going to find spaces and people and moments and tasks and opportunities that were perfectly suited for you and only you. Only you have the relational sphere you have. Only you have the job you have. Only you have the personality you have. And I believe that God would begin to give you an even deeper sense of significance as you go, how can I contribute? How do the gifts God's given me fit? And that humble posture, I think God's spirit rushes in and not only, like, the God Spirit rushes in and helps us achieve the common good that the benefit and the interest of all, both in our communities and in the world around us, begins to take shape because His power is doing it. We're not going to be able to explain it. You're going to look at yourself and go, I don't know how I did that. I don't know how God let me forgive in that way or love in that way or sacrifice in that way or serve in that way. And it is a fun ride to be in communion with the Holy Spirit as He redeems the world. What a privilege it is. Lord, I thank you so much that you don't skip us in renewing this world. And I pray that you would renew our hearts, that you give us that humble posture. Lord, please show us how we can contribute to your kingdom. Thank you for enlisting us. It's so loving that you do. We're so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. I know this has been talked about a bunch already, but I'm so excited about these five-fold seminars that we have. And the next one is starting next week. Pastor Matt's starting with the pastoral one. And so what we're going to be talking about in these seminars is how does the Spirit manifesting Himself through you look like for your gift set? And if you don't know which one of the fivefold ministries you are, you can check your email. There's a test you can take. Um, and you can go to all five if you want, although I'm assuming people will only come to one or two. Uh, but but we're going we're gonna to work through together how you, make dis- how you can make disciples and how you can... Um, display the spirit to the world in the way that God's made you. And so uh, I'm excited to, to, to be a diverse, unique group of people that's figuring out how to love each other for the common good. Like what a beautiful, what a beautiful picture of what love and the kingdom looks like. And so I really encourage you to sign up for one of those and come wrestle through. I'm going to be leading the apostolic one. We're going to figure out what it means to be a leader and and, and, and affect change and, and move things forward. And that's, that's just one of the gifts in the body. And so come, you know, come hang out with me as we figure that out. Uh, and I pray that it'll bless you. So there's your pitch for the fivefold seminars. And I'm also looking forward to continuing to hash out this content here in Corinthians. And as we do, guys, let's, let's this summer, let's really be God's people. And I know that we're not gathering together on Sundays and it breaks my heart in some ways. And in other ways, it makes me so excited 
that uh, we are continuing to lean on God's spirit manifesting itself through his people as the engine of our church. And if it's not that, we're hooped and the city's not going to be reached. And so let's keep doing this together, friends. It's such a privilege. And let's worship in response. Thank you.